1: This is doubting Mark, and I never listened to "I Doubt It" with Dolomar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is "I Doubt It" with Dolomar. Alright, it is good to be back. Episode 172 seventy-two. It is amazing what can happen in between episodes. I am your host Jesse Dollimore and sitting across from me for 172 episodes uninterrupted, other than my sicknesses, my lovely co-host Brittany Page.
2: Wait a minute. Were you talking about my sicknesses?
1: My sicknesses. Okay. Because the only interruption in episodes comes when I am a sickly turd.
2: I was going to say, because I'm a champion.
1: Yeah. I saw your champion cookie dance earlier.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're referring Those to. Those
1: delicious German spice cookies that we got at Trader Joe's.
2: They are a real good.
1: So good that they forced a dance out of you.
2: No, I dance you pretty danced regularly. A, you danced a
1: little jig. I. After having t- taken a, a bite.
2: I did. Of
1: the aforementioned cookie.
2: I did, but I dance quite often.
1: <laughs> well, that is. That, that, that unfortunately is true.
2: <laughs> it's not unfortunate. It's real nice. Well, it's
1: not unfortunate for you. For those who have to witness the full body convulsions.
2: It's a lot of hate.
1: It's like a grand mall seizure. It's
2: a lot of hate coming from you right now.
1: Put to music. All right. (laughs) I have to dish it out. You dish it out constantly. What did you tell me yesterday? Um, You told me, you said, listen, you have two volumes, Jesse. You have two (laughs) volumes. Loud as fuck (laughs) and not so loud as fuck.
2: I did say that.
1: That is that is a direct quote. That is something that I said. That's exactly what you said. So I have to, when I have a moment, when I have a chance, the, the only difference is you say that to me in private. How and else? And I have a microphone, which provides, you know, a nice a nice venue.
2: How else did I uh, signal to you that you were being loud as F? How else did I signal that to you?
1: I'm. I don't know if I want to say what. What is it?
2: The the text messages that I was sending to oh. your phone.
1: <laughs> well, what happened was I had, and I, I wouldn't say late night, but it was later in the evening. I, I had I was on Skype with someone. Uh huh. And we, it was a a great talk. Uh, a varied subject matter. It was awesome. And, you know, I get a little excitable and I have this particular sound that comes out of my face when I talk. Mm-hmm. And it's not really quiet. It's not really quiet. No. So you were texting me because I, I was in the other room and you were texting me pictures of megaphones. Mm hmm. <laughs> And bullhorns, like yeah. the electronic bullhorns that like cops use, like move along, folks.
2: And also people yelling into megaphones. Yes,
1: you did. The, yeah, you you, you had a, a a glorious time using Google Image Search. <laughs> it
2: was so fun. <laughs> also, message was not received.
1: It was well apparently message was not received. Apparently, I don't have the ability mm-hmm. to modulate. The volume of my voice.
2: Let me let me help you out. That's something you should work on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nah.
2: I think that's a useful tool to have, just generally in life. I think that's a useful thing. Nah, nah. nah. Mm, it also seems quite important to be able to modulate. Come on, nah. Okay.
1: Anyway, let's let's get on with this. Um, <laughs> it is sometimes I mentioned this at the top of the show. Sometimes it's it's a bitch. I really have the itch to want to get on the mic and put out an episode because so much shit is going on and I'm not even talking about Paris. This episode we've had to discard so many topics because it's just it can't be it can only be so long. So it, it's been a busy week. Anyway, let's start with some listener email in in response to our Seven, my Seventh Day Adventist uh, story about my little brother who apparently was spanked for calling a woman a hussy at <laughs> one and a half years old. <laughs> it, you'll have to listen to it. It didn't happen. Um, in response to that, we got a listener email.
2: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. I was listening to episode number 170, and many things talked about surrounding religion caught my attention. So I thought I would write in and share some of my thoughts. I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and it is very strict in every sense of the word. I thought it was funny that Jesse mentioned how his batshit crazy neighbor believed that Reagan was going to pass a Sunday law. Funny thing is, this didn't just happen with Reagan. This has been said of every president in my lifetime by someone I know who is Adventist at some point. As a young child, I, of course, did not realize that this was an actual threat. Within the Adventist church is constant fear of persecution. The attitude is, we are going to be looked at as crazy, but we're right, so this hesitation or different way of thinking should be ignored and completely rejected. From the inside looking out, this totally makes sense, once again, as a child. Then, when you're older and you realize that the politicians they claim are going to pass these laws have no idea what the Adventist religion is, (laughs) much less... Have uh. have they been adamantly threatening to try and end the ways of the church? I wouldn't say this specific topic was a turning point in becoming Adventist, but it helped me realize the whole thing was a crock of shit. Although the Sunday Law scare tactic probably isn't the most recent one used, this has been a trend. Guilt, fear, and judging others is what I have observed the church is based on, all while these same people are smiling to your face and wish you a happy Sabbath every week at church. As an adult, I have finally been at peace with my anger directed at the lies and the guilt that was put upon me while I was growing up. I have been able to repress these feelings of anger toward religion. Imagine if your parents told you Santa Claus was real your entire life and you believed it. Wouldn't you be a little pissed off too? Anyway, I hope these rants help move the conversation forward. Despite popular opinion, I appreciate Jesse's hard work and contribution to the show, so I thought I'd S on his D a little and give him the love he needs for all his hard work. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Here from Boise, Idaho, Daniel. And it looks like he forgot something.
3: Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Goddamn. Goddamn. Um, a couple things there. One, one is... Um, I know some other people who were raised at Seventh-day Adventists. In fact, I worked with a girl who used to, well, she was just coming into adulthood and and out of the church. I think there was still some of that guilt and drawn back in and, you know, where that transitional period where you don't really know where you fall. And she claimed, and I have no reason to not believe her, she claimed that she could not stand the smell of pork. Like, even bacon cooking. She says she was repulsed by it because Seventh-day Adventists don't eat pork. They don't eat shellfish, to the best of my knowledge. They still abide by some of those dietary standards.
2: I'm pretty sure that, like, along with evolution and, like, gravity, that it's just, like, a scientific fact. Yeah, it's
1: universally understood that bacon is one of the best smells ever, right?
2: It is the greatest <laughs> smell on earth yeah so that is impossible so
1: that really leads to kind of that religious conditioning because if it was true it really is just she was raised that way and told her whole life that no you don't like that smell
2: that's i don't know that seems still like it wouldn't work are you
1: experiencing massive cognitive dissonance right yeah, now? yeah i
2: just <laughs> like what are you talking about no
1: yeah it's weird
2: this doesn't smell good. Uh yeah, it does. does it smells real compute, good. <laughs> does not
1: compute.
2: <laughs> no, but I, I I really appreciate this email uh from Daniel and I I like hearing from people that were were raised in these situations and then and then come out of it because we've talked about it a lot on the show. I wasn't really raised
1: hyper religious. Right.
2: I mean, we went mostly so my mom could have some support system. Uh, in raising kids on her own. right. And other than that, I mean, I avoided going to youth group. I wasn't very into it. Right, so right. it's I understand the indoctrination that people you know receive when they're in these religions, but I haven't experienced it personally. So
1: I, I too appreciate the email like I'm piling on here. I really appreciate it also. <laughs> but I do because it it is part of moving the conversation forward. And if someone is out there who's listening, maybe one of these, you know, not so active silent listeners who's out there and hears Daniel's email, they can maybe relate and know that they're not alone. There are are there are also people who have escaped the indoctrination and the fear that, that comes along with that because there is programmed in in any kind of a cult system. It's fear of leaving. It's you, uh, you're you going to lose your family. You're going to get cut off. It's it's a bad, you know, intimidation type of uh, organization. And that, mm-hmm. that goes for Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormon Church. It's, you know, it's just generally scary.
2: Right. And I, I particularly liked when he says um, the same people smiling to your face. That wish you a happy Sabbath every week. That are you know being judgmental, and yeah, that was really an experience that I had as well. Right, where, that's not
1: just Seventh Day Adventist.
2: No, when I was <laughs> when I was going to church, I really admired a lot of the people at church. And then you know when I became an adult and kind of looked back on those people, I realized that a lot of them were very judgmental, yeah. or they were acting very you know perfect when they had a lot of sure bad things going on in their personal life. And
1: well, I remember. I remember vividly, this was something that happened uh, like every Sunday, that my mom would go and fellowship with a couple of her friends, and we would go to McDonald's, and she, we would play in the playland, Ugh, yeah, the, the filthy germ riddled playland, germs. while she and her friends and I'm doing, air, I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah, fellowship, but all it was was talking mad shit on all the <laughs> other ladies in the church. Yeah, it's about sad. how they need to get their life right, and they're doing this wrong, and they're doing that wrong, and oh, I mean, it was just that kind of a weird fucking atmosphere. Yeah, and they did it under the guise of fellowship. Yeah, it's just sad. fucking bullshit. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the 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 email, Daniel. We really appreciate it. If you too would like to communicate with us and help us move the conversation forward in that way, you can call 657-464-7609 or email a regular email or a voice memo from your smartphone to it at We're
2: about a week and a half out from Thanksgiving.
1: I was just going to go there.
2: We're less than a week and a half away from and Thanksgiving. And we do
1: not have enough submissions. We don't. Yeah. We're so, going to be honest with you. Yeah, well... I, you know, I hate that, right?
2: Being honest? No,
1: saying. Well, I'll be honest with you. Well, I have it, to.
2: I have to specify that I'm not lying because most of the time I'm lying.
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, good. That's good to know. I'm sure the audience really appreciates the <laughs> the honesty for once from you. Brittany I have Page. to
2: try to defend myself because I know you're about to s <laughs> on me for no. saying the phrase that you hate. Well, I
1: hate. I'll be honest with you, or you know, I'll tell you the truth.
2: Yeah. I know. I don't know why I said it. I'm anyway, sorry. I never I, say it. Let's move on. Okay.
1: Um, we, we don't have enough submissions, and get it done. I know there's some of you out there who are who are pondering what you want to say, who are thinking about it, who are preparing. You don't have to go crazy. Just call in 657-464-7609, or, like I said, email the voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com. There will be some editing. You don't have to leave your name. It's going to be completely anonymous. You don't have to waste a bunch of time, SNRDs, and telling us how thankful you are for the show because that's not what I want. I want it to be your earnest feelings about things for which you have a lot of gratitude this year. They can be little things or they can be big things. Whatever it is, we really want to hear from you. So get your shit together.
2: And we have received... Many fantastic submissions. Yeah, they've been really good. So thank you to those of you who have sent them in. It's going to make for a very beautiful uh, round two of the Thanksgiving episode.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, along with, I want to bring this up, um, this wasn't on the board, but along with kind of what Daniel's talking about here with this religious, you know, being raised this way and always thinking this, this kind of this mindset, just being indoctrinated, Brittany and I just watched Spotlight, the movie Spotlight, with Mark Ruffalo and Michael Keaton and...
2: Rachel McAdams.
1: Yeah, and uh, the guy who plays... John Slattery. Yeah, I was going to say... Roger. Roger. Roger Sterling. But uh, it's, it's an awesome cast, really a great cast. And it deals with a very difficult issue, which is the the systemic child molestation ring, the child rape ring... That the Catholic Church has had going globally, but the movie is specifically about the Boston, the Boston um, diocese,
2: and it kind of goes into detail of one particular priest, and from like the eighties, I think he was raping boys. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And then they uncover like seventy plus.
1: Right. They they think they have a big story, and this is history. It's a real, it's a true story. So I'm not. There's not a lot of spoilers here. Um, they think they have a giant story when they've uncovered 13 mm-hmm. and it turns into like 78 priests who have been shuffled from parish to parish and they uncover this massive conspiracy to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. And,
2: and that was just in 2001.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's interesting because it ties into this because when some of these actors and the director and the writer have been interviewed and talked about this. They say a lot of locals in Boston will say, why don't you, why do you have to drag all that up again? Why are you, why Why are you talking about this?
2: Do you want me to read the quote?
1: Yeah, yeah, please.
2: So the director said, I've had more than a few people now that we've started screening the movie to say do we need to drum this up? What's the reason? Do we really need to drum this painful moment in history up? And I'm like, okay, this isn't a painful moment in history. This is still happening. Something this systemic and this widespread, we now know it to be an international problem. It just doesn't go away overnight. It's something we have to remain vigilant about, and we have to make changes and put changes in place, put steps in place to make sure that no vulnerable child is ever hurt again. I think everyone agrees on that. I think that's all anybody wants.
1: And that is absolutely fact. I mean, we know of, over the course of the last 50 or 60 years, thousands of children have been brutally and systematically raped by priests, by men put in authority over them. And it's been covered up, which, in my mind, facilitates child rape. Not just the cover-up, but when, when Priest Johnson... They find out he's been raping children. They don't shut him down. They don't turn him over to the police to get prosecuted. They move him to another parish where he can start the whole process over again because they don't warn, oh, hey, by the way, he left this parish because of this. They just send him somewhere else.
2: Yeah. It was a really emotional movie to watch, but, I mean, it It, it leaves you... Feeling hopeful because these reporters right. they helped people, and it ends with well, I don't want to say how it ends, I guess, right. but um, the Catholic Church has the Catholic Church has kind of had to respond to this, right? Because it's a big movie. There's big movie stars in it. There's Oscar buzz around the movie. It's a pretty big topic right now. So the Catholic Church has kind of had to step in and they are sending guidance, apparently, is what they're doing.
1: Which seems, it seems like an after the fact, look, we've been busted. So let's let's get ahead of this a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: So this article says in their public responses so far, bishops reiterate apologies to victims and in some cases offer phone numbers that they can call to seek counseling or report abuse. They also detail abuse prevention efforts, renew vows to immediately report abuse complaints to civil authorities and highlight the American church's zero tolerance policy that mandates the removal of predators of predators from the church. Quote, I can tell you unequivocally that anything that raises awareness of the crime of sexual abuse of minors and encourages transparency is a good thing. I certainly hope Spotlight will be a vehicle to communicate the truth and advance the dialogue regarding the protection of children. Bishop Edward B. of, of... Good enough. (laughs) Of Albany, New York. So kind of along the lines of what you said, this seems like a nice thing. But for me, it's uh, too little too late. Um, The only reason that they're coming out now and offering phone numbers and offering abuse prevention efforts and talking about their vows to protect children is because they were caught. Now, if they had never been caught, they would still be shuffling priests around
1: They still may be shuffling priests around. They still
2: might be doing that. And criminal charges, still not a thing that's happening.
1: You can't tell me that all of a sudden they've stopped it. There's no more child rape going on. It just doesn't happen like that. I want to see some prosecutions. When I start seeing prosecutions that they've been turning over priests to authorities, that's when I'll say, good job, Pope Francis. Good job, Catholic Church. You're finally doing the right thing. After how many decades, how many centuries maybe of raping the most innocent among us?
2: Well, a, a recent report by the National Catholic Reporter found that clergy abuse, which the church once silenced by settling with victims and swearing them to secrecy, has cost the Catholic Church in America $4 billion since 1950 in settlements, therapy for victims, and other costs. Right. $4 billion
1: yeah. in
2: settlements to people to keep them quiet and now all of a sudden it's oh here's phone numbers you can call oh let's let's help you this movie's coming out and we welcome it we welcome this transparency right, right. no you don't
1: right if you welcomed it you would have gotten ahead of it when it was when the most innocent people amongst your congregation were being brutalized
2: and listen some people might say you know just be thankful that things are changing and if things are changing then of course i'm thankful that's yeah that's any that's The best situation that we could hope for. But the thing is, it's still... It just pisses me off a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, day late, dollar short.
2: Because it just seems like they're only doing this because now we know.
1: Yeah. It's terrible. And it's worth the watch. You really should go out and find a theater that is showing spotlight because it is a... It's a movie you're going to be hearing more about come Oscar season, for sure. So let's move on. Paris on Friday night, was subject to an historic and horrific terrorist attack, which has since been, the responsibility has been put on ISIS. They've even accepted responsibility. They've claimed that it was their action. Almost 130 people were were murdered, some at point-blank range, some at the hands of suicide bombers in a coordinated attack all across the city. All told, almost 500 people were either killed or severely wounded. All this only weeks, only hours in some cases, after U.S. officials talked about how ISIS was being contained, They were the JV squad, all these things to try to mitigate the influence and the power of the terrorist group.
2: Well, not even just politicians, but also citizens that have been saying that ISIS isn't a big deal. Yeah. That we should just, I don't know, I guess, wait for this to happen. That's
1: right. I mean, I've been talking about this for about a year now, that... We need to take these assholes at their word. When they say they want to fly the flag of ISIS over the White House, we should trust them that that is true, that they're not playing a joke. They mean to kill us. The day before, there was an attack in Beirut, Lebanon, that also had murderous intent and killed a number of people. Just a couple weeks ago, they bombed and blew out of the sky the Russian airliner and killed a couple hundred people. ISIS is on the march, people. ISIS is a serious threat to the globe. They're not just some one-off, regional, isolated terrorist group that we don't have much to worry about. They are moving into other Muslim countries and into the West through Europe to cause damage, death, and destruction.
2: Would you like me to read the last part of um, the statement from ISIS? Yes. Let France and all nations following its path know that they will continue to be at the top of the target list for the Islamic State, and that the scent of death will not leave their nostrils as long as they partake in the crusader campaign, as long as they dare to curse our prophet, blessings and peace be upon him, and as long as they boast about their war against Islam in France and their strikes against Muslims in the lands of the caliphate, with their jets, which were of no avail to them in the filthy streets and alleys of Paris. Indeed, this is just the beginning. It is also a warning for any who wish to take heed. Allah is the greatest.
1: All because of a fairy tale. They do this. Well, listen, in response to this, obviously, like anything that happens on a global scale, whether it be international relations or just domestic politics, people take sides. And almost always, when people take sides, they line up on the left And they line up on the right. You've got assholes making comments about Donald Trump and his wall. Making memes about if there was a wall, this wouldn't have happened in Paris. You know what? Fuck you. It is crass. It is insensitive. And it doesn't speak to a rational, reasonable position about what can take place when a group like this is motivated to kill. A wall wouldn't have stopped this. These people had French passports. They were they were French. They were Belgium. One, we found out, and this goes to the next thing, one was Syrian, had a Syrian passport, and it was one... Of the refugees.
2: Was posing as a Syrian refugee.
1: That's right. Or yeah, I guess he wasn't a refugee. But he was in the group of refugees who fled Syria.
2: Right. And this was something that bothered me was, you know, about 30 minutes to an hour after hearing that this happened, people started immediately taking sides and either posting, don't insult the refugees or see what happens when you let the refugees in. Right. And, you know, we have no information.
1: Of course not. So
2: how about we cool it with the political banter and try to figure out what's happening, maybe just, you know, cool it on the gun control talk, just any of that stuff. Well, that was the other
1: thing that was coming out. I want to get back to the refugee thing, but the gun control thing, that's another thing. Well, if they had all the strict gun control that they have in Paris and in Europe, this wouldn't be happening. Really? Fucking Annie Oakley? Really?
2: Well, what do they expect that just, like, average citizens are going to be, like, ninjas because all of a sudden they have a gun and they're going to, like, sense that someone has a suicide pack on them that they're getting ready to detonate? That's that's, No one is James Bond.
1: Or they have the tactical door-to-door urban combat training to be able to go rifle-to-rifle in a firefight with a trained—because this was a coordinated— well-executed attack
2: right and that's another thing that bothers me is it it almost puts the onus on the victims to say well if you had been armed and right. maybe you could have taken care of yourself and it's i mean that's offensive that's just ridiculous it, it shouldn't even it, be a talking point it, that comes it up doesn't
1: make sense at all but it gains and scores political points for those look i've said it on the show before that nuance is not the friend of the lower thinker and in this case, it's another another case in point. That they, they don't have the, the ability to think in a nuanced manner about this. And that, you know, kind of brings back the the refugee thing. When we were watching it that night, and I was like, this isn't gonna be good for this all these refugees who are trying to flee oppression and death and rape but at the hands of ISIL. It's just it's not gonna be good for them. And sure enough. The that that old narrative came out. You see, terrorism. Oh, they're all terrorists because they happen to be Muslim, and they're fleeing. But then, it wasn't long. I mean, we're just talking. This all happened within hours. The the liberal force mobilized on social media and started just without any any evidence of of or no, knowledge of anything that was going on. Just just knee jerk defending no none of none of the refugees it's crazy and hateful to think there might be peppered in there some terrorists
2: well and that's the thing it's you know i know that people don't want to say listen we can't take in refugees because there might be bad people there but the thing is this one of these people they posed as a syrian refugee to get in the country right and that's what people might be doing. And that's what makes this so complicated. So when people are so black and white about, well, you're hateful if you don't want to take in the refugees or, you know, take this hard line on it. Well, it is kind of something that needs to be talked about,
1: but all sides need to be addressed. No, of course. And
2: it's so complicated. And I guess whenever something like this happens, I just get frustrated by the black and white.
1: Well, and we, again, I hate saying we say it on the show all the time. But, you know, some things need and they bear repeating. It's that if you have an extreme right opinion that's black and white or you have an extreme left opinion that is black and white, you're probably wrong.
2: Can I read a quote from Majid Nawaz? Yeah. He said this morning um, on CNN with Fareed Zakaria. My my favorite. (laughs) I know. Quote, between the apologism of the far left and the sensationalism of the far right let us remain level-headed and avoid being blinded by our left eye or popping a blood vessel in our right, because both of those conclusions will render us blind.
1: Awesome. As always, Majid Nawaz comes up with something very poignant. And this is a man who was imprisoned and tortured for information when he was an Islamist. He -hmm. was a terrorist. mm -hmm. He was a radical. He wrote a book called Radical.
2: Right. And now he is a moderate Muslim. He's still in the faith. Yeah. And on the debate episode, we talked about um, kind of... Which
1: is posted, by the way.
2: Yeah. We talked about the way liberals always want to understand the perspective of others. And they talk about privilege and putting yourself in other people's shoes and understanding their plight. And Majid Nawaz and Ayon Hirsi Ali are two people that have... Come out of the faith. I mean, well, he's Nawaz still in, is still in it, yeah. but he is wanting to reform the faith. That's right. And those are people who have experience with the radical aspect of Islam. And so, listening to them talk,
1: and just to give a little, a little um, reference here um, or context, she was genitally mutilated. She had her clitoris cut away in a brutal manner. And he was, uh, you know, like I just said, a radical Islamist. So they both have vast experience within the faith.
2: And Ayan Hirsi Ali tweeted as long as Muslims say IS has nothing to do with Islam or talk of Islamophobia, they are part of the problem. And she also says they are not ready to reform their faith. Yeah. And I. I think that a lot of times liberals really want to defend this position that all Muslims are bad, and I think that they should defend that because there are people, yes. and I've seen many comments today that I, I should have taken screenshots of, you, but I just get you, enraged when I read these things. You
1: torturing yourself by going through down a rabbit hole of reading asshole comments on Facebook.
2: This person, I can't remember what they said, but they said something about... like the military should go take out all Muslims or something, or all Muslims don't deserve to be in America or something like that. Right, right. And you made the comment, you know, like, what about all the Muslims that are serving the U.S. military?
1: Right. I served with a lot of Muslims.
2: Right. I mean, so there is this, you know, segment of the population that is generalizing uh, radical Islam to all Muslims, which is wildly inappropriate. Yes. And I don't think it's an intellectual position. I also don't think it's an intellectual position to say that religion has nothing to do with this. Well,
1: let's go back to that and then we'll get to the religion has nothing to do with this thing. Um, I don't believe that the people who hold that opinion that all Muslims are bad and all Muslims are, are a part of terrorism. I don't. Obviously, that's not an intellectual position, but I don't think they're in the intellectual debate. They're not in that sphere.
2: Oh, of course. They are
1: on Facebook. Sounding off because they're keyboard warriors,
2: right? They're trolls. Yeah,
1: they're not. They're not real human beings in in the debate. They're not really in the conversation.
2: Well, I, yeah, And if they are, if you see something that someone writes, you can just brush it off as, "Wow, this person is like not connected well, it, with reality."
1: It, it, maybe people. Well, you know, maybe I'm wrong because that Geller lady, whatever her name is, but Pat- Pamela Patricia, Geller, Pamela Geller, uh, the one who. Organizes the draw Mohammed contest Which you know fuck that's her right to do that I don't have a problem with that But she's an incendiary Hateful You know more radical in her beliefs about Muslim, Regular Muslims
2: Wanting to mix it up
1: Right So but then you know the other side Like you just said th- That says that, that this has nothing to do These attacks These brutal slaughter Of innocence Has nothing to do with religion while they're screaming, "Allahu Akbar, all the way merrily down the street while they're murdering as many people as they can get their sights on.
2: Which means God is great, right? Yeah, right. Um, so it's kind of like, and I know this is like a lesser form of it, but it's kind of like when people say that um, when Christians say homosexuality is a sin and then some people say, no, that's not what the Bible says. That's not a religious idea. Yeah. I know it's more extreme um, on Islam because it involves taking the lives of others.
1: Right, like chopping off heads and burning people alive, all the craziness.
2: Right, well, it's death to infidel. But it's it's the same thing with Christians when you say, you know, the Bible says this, and people say, no, the Bible doesn't say that. Right. There's this argument over, well, what does the religious text really say? And it's in, bo- it's on all religions.
1: Well, all that does is point to me to the fact that these books are completely flawed not written by a a supreme omniscient omnipotent all-knowing being because had that kind of a being authored a book it would be perfect there would be no way for a book like that to be written with any there, there wouldn't be a way to be confused you know what i mean so in the bible when it says that if a virgin gets raped, she must marry her rapist and he must pay her father 50 shekels of silver. How, how you know, is that, that's the perfect word? Or in, in in the Quran, when it says all kinds of different conflicting things, including not to kill women, children, or living trees, how do they, it's obvious there's a confusion here.
2: Well, and you've been seeing a lot of morally confused people on the internet saying all kinds of things. There was this woman, her name is Sarah Beebe, and she tweeted, Dearborn, Michigan has the highest Muslim population in the United States. Let's F that place up and send a message to ISIS we are coming. Um,
1: and she's a Navy veteran.
2: Yeah, so people have found her LinkedIn. It's since been deleted, and they figured out she was in the military. A military professional is what she's listed as, and... and the police investigated this because this is a threat. I mean, this is a terrorist threat. Yes. And this is the kind of ignorance that I'm talking about as a problem. This is someone who said they have the highest Muslim population in the U.S. uh, and somehow that translates or is associated with ISIL.
1: Right. Just because they're Muslim.
2: That's nonsensical.
1: These people do exist, but they are not a part of the real conversation that's being had. That woman as far as I'm concerned, should be prosecuted because that goes beyond free speech rights. That goes to threatening people, which is a crime. And I hope, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. We should follow up on that and, and see what happens.
2: So, in terms of how France has responded to this,
1: they did not fuck around.
2: They are launching massive airstrikes on the Islamic State group's de facto capital in Syria, destroying a jihadi training camp and a munitions dump in the city of Raqqa, where Iraqi, where Iraqi intelligence officials. It's a lot
1: of it's a lot of cues in there. Raqqa and Iraqi.
2: <laughs> right. Say the attacks on Paris were planned. 12 aircrafts, including 10 fighter jets, dropped a total of 20 bombs in the biggest airstrikes since France extended its bombing campaign against the extremist group in Syria in September. So the French president said that they are basically going to be ruthless in their response. That's
1: the word he used. And also merciless. Right. I mean, he's... Francois Hollande is... He's in it to fucking win it. He is... Their response to this is very similar to our response in Afghanistan after the 9-11 attacks. And listen, the argument could be made that they need to be a little bit more metered in their response. But uh, can you blame them? I mean, really. The second attack inside of a year where hundreds of people. I mean, we don't even know the condition of all the wounded yet. We don't know what the final death count will be. You know, listen, they the, a conversation isn't going to solve this. I don't know that a bunch of bombs will solve it either. I don't know. But I do know that mediation, that reasoning with ISIL or uh, al-Baghdadi, that's not going to work. I do know that. I believe, and I've said this before, many times, in fact, over the course of the last year, it is absolutely going to take boots on the ground to reclaim that land. Airstrikes aren't going to do it. You might be able to kill Jihadi John, which happened this week, they think. You might be able to kill different commanders. But another head will take their place. Another person. This is an ideological battle. It sure is. But it's still a battle. It's still a war. This, is still, this isn't a war of ideas like gets talked about. And people say that because they're afraid to talk about justifying violence, justifying dropping bombs and sending bullets downrange. Sometimes that's all we have at our disposal to solve a conflict. And this very well may be one of those times.
2: And so some presidential candidates have started responding to this as well. And Jeb Bush was on Meet the Press, and he said that the U.S. should declare war on the Islamic State. Quote, Mm. we should declare war and harness all the power that the United States can bring to bear, both diplomatic and militarily, of course, to be able to take out ISIS. I. We have the capabilities of doing this, Bush said. We just haven't showed the will.
1: I believe the second part of that. I do believe that we have not showed the will. I believe that Obama has been woefully inadequate in underestimating this force, these people, their motivation, and their will. I believe that. But we'll see. I don't know know that declaring war is going to change anything. It's certainly not going to change our strategy. Just because you declare war, it seems arbitrary.
2: Well, it's also kind of... Like you said, maybe people believe that um, Paris shouldn't be rushing into this. It certainly would seem like the U.S. is rushing into it. When Paris is, they're taking action.
1: Right. Well, I think there needs to be a broad coalition. Anytime something like this goes on, there needs to be a broad coalition of many nations in agreement. But we really need to, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds with the, the international relations of this, but we really do need to... Get the the Muslim majority nations that border and also just our regional neighbors to get involved and to to do the right thing here, because they are the ones who are immediately at risk. Obviously, Paris is as well. We will be eventually. We will be. This will come inside the borders of America. It's just it's just it's a it's a certainty it's going to happen. It's you know, it's, a, it's a scary time. It is a scary time. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves about how to deal with this.
2: Another scary thing is that Ann Coulter took to Twitter on Friday. Uh,
1: that is frightening.
2: And said that Donald Trump was elected president tonight
1: <laughs> because of his statements.
2: Right. And this is her exact quote. They can wait, if they like, until next November for the actual balloting. But Donald Trump was elected president tonight.
1: Because of his response to the Paris attacks on Twitter.
2: Right. Which were basically, if Obama won't call it um, Islamic extremism, then I will. And...
1: That's all it takes to get elected president, huh? I think I should have been elected a long time ago. (laughs) She's... She's a terrible hag. I mean, she's Ichabod Crane. There's something wrong with that lady.
2: I mean, there's she's not my favorite person, but yeah okay. S- um, sometimes, no, that's not true. Um, what? <laughs> I was gonna try to like say something nice, but yeah. I no, it's so, impossible. It, she well, makes me angry. Yeah, every time
1: I get the <laughs> I'm same. I'm trying
2: so hard. No, like- listen,
1: I get the same kind of angry with her that I do when I call Donald Trump a cunt. It's terrible. I, she, it's seething, furious rage.
2: Well, there's also rumors that she is just a troll and that it's kind of an act that she's putting on.
1: Right, right. I've heard that. That might a lot. be true.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know.
1: Anyway, we want to hear from you on this. I mean, I've I've said a lot, and I'd like to have a conversation with the audience. So. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at com.
2: I also just want to say that uh, Donald Trump tweeted about Shepard Smith and said, Boy, is this guy Shep tough on me. So totally biased. As a reporter, he should be ashamed of himself. Hashtag Trump 2016. <laughs> Good job, Shep.
1: All right. Moving on.
0: Support for I Doubt It With Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget, and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It With Dolomore.
1: All right. I would like to let you know that we did do the debate episode. It is posted. If you would like to have access to that, we will certainly love to email you the password for it. All you have to do is join Patreon. Uh, Like the lady just said, even 25 cents an episode, you know, that's $2 a month, less than a quarter of a delicious Starbucks gold-plated cup of coffee. (laughs) And uh, we'd love to have you on board partnering with us to move all of these important conversation forward. And uh, we appreciate our, our supporters very much. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Speaking of Donald Trump, I think Brittany blew her wad a little early. talking about him
2: sorry about that (laughs) sorry
1: but uh this stuff is just too good to pass up when i I, when i was listening to it
2: i how giddy was i I, it's exciting
1: it is exciting stuff
2: i mean i couldn't believe that he said this
1: right and that's a crazy thing to say of all the the just wild out of this world things that donald trump has said this is it's it's up there. It, I mean, it certainly is the the craziest. In talking about Ben Carson and all of Ben Carson's I stabbed guys and broke knives off on belt buckles and took a hammer after my mom. All these crazy things that he said, these uncorroborated things that he said. Uh, he's also said at some point that he, you know, he had a pathological, violent rage about him
2: pathological anger yeah
1: right which jesus cured Mm -hmm. jesus cured him of it Mm -hmm. well in this first clip he is on cnn this isn't like some local market interview this is on cnn with aaron burnett and he had
4: this to say and he says that in the book i don't say that and again i'm not saying anything i'm not saying anything other than pathological is a very serious disease and he said he's pathological, somebody said he has pathological disease, other, other people said he said in the book, and I haven't seen it, I know it's in the book, uh, that he's got a pathological temper or temperament. That's a big problem, because you don't cure that. That's like, you know, I could say, they'd say you don't cure, as an example, child molester. You don't cure these people. You don't cure a child molester there's no cure for it. Pathological, there's no cure for that. Now, I didn't say it, he said it in his book. So when I hear somebody's pathological, when somebody says, I went after my mother with, and and he's saying about himself, with a hammer to hit her in the head, I say, whoa, I never did, you never did. I don't know anybody that ever did, personally.
2: So, (laughs) I mean, this is just like amazing. Isn't it?
1: Christmas come early is what this, this is. This
2: is completely ridiculous. He's off the rails. He I think just, it's the
1: beginning of the end.
2: He just talked about child molesters. He's
1: comparing Ben Carson's condition, quote unquote, his anger to molesting children.
2: Right, how they're, un- how it's unchangeable, like a child molester. I mean, this is just absurd. And he keeps using the word pathological.
1: Like he knows anything about it.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> his use of the word is very confusing. He says like, pathological is a serious disease. Right, right. What? <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear the phrase pathological liar, pathological gambler, these kinds of things. Right. You can't cure. A pathological liar, you can't cure. A pathological gambler, you can't. Not
1: according to Doctor, Doctor Donald Trump.
2: I mean, it just means like compulsive, right? Or obsessive. Exactly. I right. mean, that's one of the definitions of it. So you can't help that. That's not as, something. As an example,
4: child molester. He's permanently you don't cure these people. You don't cure a child molester. There's no cure for it. Pathological. There's no cure for that.
1: There's no cure, Brittany Page.
2: I don't know. I- I'm very confused. I mean, he's a 69-year-old man.
4: <laughs> Child molester.
2: <laughs> and so Ben Carson has responded to this and said that he's going to pray for him. Right.
1: Well, what else do you say? Be-
2: and he's very shocked that this has happened. And
1: Well, Ben Carson is such a sleepy character. It's not like he's going to say, ah, fuck that guy.
4: <laughs> right.
1: Or maybe child molester yeah i don't know
2: <laughs> or he could he could respond in a trump-esque way and call him a clown or something like that
1: right 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 well listen donald trump this is he didn't just say it once he went on the stump he was in iowa and he's in iowa i want to i want to reinforce that he's in fucking iowa and he gives this long speech, and he repeats the same thing that he just said, except it's a lot more long and drawn out because he's got to take up time while giving a speech. And he at the end of the speech, he recounts a few stories that Ben Carson has told, the knife on the belt buckle, the hammer with the mom. And then he finishes it up with this: while in Iowa, he says this:
4: "How stupid are the people of Iowa?" How stupid are the people of the country to believe this crap?
1: Wow. Uh... Off the fucking rails. The the maddening thing is that I haven't seen this really talk. He got saved by the terrorist attack in France. Because this would have been major headlines if not for the 24-7 coverage, which is justified coverage over there in Paris.
2: I mean, he also, not just the people of Iowa, he said the people in the country are stupid.
4: How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country to believe this crap?
2: I mean, it's because Ben Carson, oh,
1: it's so good. Ben
2: Carson is competing with him to be in the lead
1: within the margin of error.
2: So that means a significant portion of the country is stupid. Yeah. Because they are supporting Ben Carson and they're believing his life story.
1: And because Trump's numbers have fallen and Ben Carson's have risen, it is logical or reasonable to assume that some of Trump's old supporters jumped ship and went to Carson's camp. So in essence, he's also talking to his former supporters and calling them stupid.
2: Can I just read another one of his tweets really quick?
1: One more and then we got to move on to Ted Cruz. Pre- oh, this is almost even better.
2: Donald Trump tweeted, "President Obama just told Putin how important the Russian airstrikes against ISIS have been. I told you so." Oh, I can't <laughs> I cannot wait to have a president who says things like, "I told you so." Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, seriously, it's this is junior high mentality. It's not even this is even like advanced like, "Oh yeah, he's a mature high school kid." This is elementary school junior high playground bullshit. It's
2: I mean it's funny but it's starting to get scary.
1: Well, the longer he stays the high at this level in the polls, it's scary. The media needs to do a better job in their political reporting to get that soundbite out in front of the Iowa voters especially.
4: How stupid are the people of Iowa? How stupid are the people of the country to believe this crap?
1: Uh, all right. Speaking of crap, let's move on to uh, Ted Cruz, who was just at this religious gathering a conference that's put on by f- favorite of the show, Kevin Swanson, the original truth wiener. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, because we've gained a lot of listeners since the few, first few episodes, the Truth Wiener, we named him Truth Wiener because this guy is just obsessed with homosexuality. He's obsessed with it. And there was a study where they concluded that men with more anger and frustration and hatred against homosexuals have a a, a far more measured response. Their dick moves more because they put a little, a little device on their penis when, and made them look at gay porn. Uh, that they, their dick moves when they watch gay porn or see gay pornography. So I said that the wiener don't lie and that he's a truth wiener because his wiener doesn't lie. All that to say, he holds this political conference, religious liberty conference, which Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee and all the main religious nutters on the Republican side went to. He was asked this at the conference.
0: No, this is an important question. This is, in fact, this is the most important question that I ask any candidate who's running for political office, and that is this. How important is it
3: for the President of the United States to fear God? And what does that mean to you? Any president who doesn't begin every day on his knees isn't fit to be commander-in-chief of this country. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Starting your day on your knees I think might mean something a little different to Kevin Swanson, who is, in my humble, uneducated opinion, very likely a closeted, self-loathing homosexual. It's it's insane. So, before Ted Cruz went to this meeting, before he attended this conference, he was on with Jake Tapper... From CNN, and was directly asked about this guy Kevin Swanson and the meeting he was about to attend.
3: Quickly, if you could, you are um, speaking at a conference this weekend, the National Religious Liberties Conference in Des Moines. It's organized by a guy named Kevin Swanson. Mm-hmm. You've been very
1: outspoken uh, about what you deem liberal intolerance of Christians, uh, but. Kevin Swanson has said some very inflammatory things about gays and lesbians. He believes Christians should hold up signs at gay weddings, holding up the Leviticus verse, uh, instructing the faithful to put gays to death because what they do is an abomination. I I don't hold you responsible for what other people say. Uh, but given your concern about liberal intolerance, are you not in some ways endorsing conservative intolerance?
3: Listen, I, I don't know what this gentleman has said and what he hasn't said. Um, I know that when it comes to religious liberty... Uh... Let's stop it there.
2: He just told you the things that he said.
1: That is exactly right. Oh, I, I don't know anything about what this guy said. Uh, yeah, you do, because I just said it. I just said it. And listen, there's a minute three left in the clip, but I'm not going to play the rest. Uh, Should we, just to keep it in context? Mm -hmm.
3: All right, let's do that. This is a passion of mine that has been a passion of mine for decades, and and that I have been fighting for religious liberty for everyone. Religious liberty for Christians, for Jews, for Muslims, for every one of us to practice our faith. And, And in the last six and a half years under the Obama administration, we have seen... An assault on religious liberty from the federal government. You know, a couple of months ago, I hosted a rally for religious liberty in Iowa. We had 2,500 people come out. It was the single biggest political event in the state of Iowa this year. And we had nine heroes, people who had stood up for their faith, who just told their stories. And and it was powerful. You can go and watch those stories on our website, tedcruz.org. And you know the amazing thing is, I mean, listen, many in the media mm-hmm. diminish threats on religious liberty. They say they're not real. What I tried to do in that event was withdraw myself and have the focus be on them telling their stories. I know you got to catch a flight, so yeah. I'm, I'm getting the hook now. Yeah. Senator Ted Cruz, thank you so much for stopping by. Good luck to you. We'll
1: see you out there on thank the campaign you, trail.
2: It just bothers me because, I mean, he can try to say that I don't know what Kevin Swanson believes. That's a lie. Not only because Jake Tapper told him, but because he's going to an event where Kevin Swanson, you'll hear in the next clip, gives a lengthy uh, sermon, I guess. A diatribe. Um, and he interviews Ted Cruz at this freaking thing. Right. The
1: first clip was Kevin Swanson interviewing him.
2: And it's just, you know, you know who the guy is. Also, you know the kind of stuff that he says.
1: He runs in the same circles as this asshole.
2: Right, Mike Huckabee also went to this event. Yep. Bobby Jindal also went to this event. That's the other
1: one, Bobby Jindal. The,
2: the three most, you know, religious individuals in the <laughs> GOP race right now.
1: Quote, unquote.
2: Yeah, um, they all went to this event where Kevin Swanson said this.
0: Friends, it's us. The problem is us. We call the nation to repentance today. Repent, America. Repent. America repent of your rebellion against God America repent of stumbling the little ones America repent of Harry Potter America repent Of how to train your dragon America repent that Dumbledore emerged as a homosexual mentor for Harry Potter
2: This is real, you guys.
1: He knows that Dumbledore's not a real guy, right? And that's how to to train your dragon. It's a cartoon.
2: Listen. (laughs) Listen, listeners. This is real. This is a real guy. I know. It
1: seems like a gag, right? He has a real following. We're doing a bit here, but it's not.
2: He was at a religious freedom event with three presidential candidates. Right.
1: One who is fairly high in the polls, Ted Cruz. Is like running third or fourth.
2: This is real. Yeah. And this guy is very upset about How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, you heard it in his voice.
1: He continues. <laughs>
0: this movie was upsetting to him. Oh, yeah. That hiccups mentor in How to Train Your Dragon emerged as a homosexual himself in order that history might repeat itself one more time, in order that little six- and seven-eight-year-olds might stumble, in order that tens of millions of- Is How to Train Your Dragon a
2: cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> Yes! Okay, I just want to make sure that's...
1: Just to clarify.
2: Yeah.
0: Parents, it would be better for them that a millstone be hanging around their neck and they'd be drowned at the bottom of the sea. In all that, there would be so many people stumbling, so many children in public schools, in movie theaters, in homes, in which children are raised to be stumbled by the Dumbledores and by the mentors of Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. (laughs) Leviticus 20.13 calls for the death penalty for homosexuals. Yes. Romans chapter 1, verse 32, the Apostle Paul does say that homosexuals are worthy of death. His words, not mine. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Applause. And I am not ashamed of the truth
2: of the word of God. So I just want to remind everybody that three presidential candidates for the United States of America.
1: Were witness to this.
2: They went to this event where this guy was speaking, where he was talking about death to homosexuals.
1: They were in the room while he went on this maniacal tirade. And not one of them has come out after this and said, I want to disavow... The crazed ramblings of Kevin Swanson. Yeah, I know. None of them have said that.
2: And you were talking about how you wish that Donald Trump's, uh, you know, statement about how Iowans are stupid should be all over the news. This should be all over the news. Absolutely. This needs to be on Anderson Cooper tomorrow night. I mean, someone needs to be doing an in-depth report about how three presidential candidates went to this event by Kevin Swanson, where he's saying things like this, that the death penalty... For homosexuals. Yeah. I mean, this is.
1: Well, let's uh, listen. I'm, let's play that last part one more time because it's important. This is like Brittany is trying to just ram home here three men who have stood on debate stages debating to be president of the United States of America. They sat in the audience while this following was said and have not come out and refuted his statements
0: Leviticus 2013 calls for the death penalty for homosexuals yes Romans chapter 1 verse 32 the Apostle Paul does say that homosexuals are worthy of death his words not mine and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am not ashamed of the
1: truth of the word of God. That is sickening.
2: Do you know with certainty that they, that those presidential candidates were sitting in the audience watching that speech?
1: I don't, but I do know how political conferences work. And let's let's assume that they weren't there. That they they pieced out after their their speeches. Right. They still know what was said. They have people there. They've got staffers there. It's it's it doesn't matter.
2: Well, I don't. I don't think it. It does matter. I just, you know, I'm trying to be fact checking person. Yeah, no, I, I,
1: it's um, it's good. I, it, that's your role. They that's still awesome.
2: they still attended this conference led by this guy who says these things, and they can act like they don't know, but they do know. This guy led the conference. They went to the conference. They were interviewed by him. They know right. who he is. Yes. I mean, it's it's disingenuous to say anything other than yes, we know everything he believes,
1: and I agree with it, or I yes. don't agree with it. Yes. I mean, come out with a position, cowards. Cowards and maniacs, dangerous. That is a dangerous ideology to get behind. And if you, and I don't know how this would be possible that any member of our audience would think that Ted Cruz was a viable candidate for the presidency. But if you do, this should give you pause. This should make you think twice about his credentials and about his demeanor and judgment. All right. Let's move off that. <laughs> as, hard as, it, as hard as it is, Lindsey Graham had a moment like Carly Fiorina has had, like Donald Trump has had, like Hillary Clinton even had, and he answered the call. When given a speech, a woman screamed out in the midst of him talking about President Obama, and she screamed out that he was a traitor. And Lindsey Graham answered without missing a beat. How many of you believe this is a religious war we're fighting?
3: There's nothing you can do to appease these people. They want three things. They want to purify their faith, kill every Christian they can find, destroy the state of Israel, and come after us. They're religious Nazis. Barack Obama has just given the most radical regime on the planet a pathway to a bomb, a missile to deliver it, and the money to pay for it. No, ma'am, he's not a traitor. He just doesn't know what he's doing. Now, that audio the
1: level went up when she said that that was because it was very faint and I wanted to make sure the audience heard it. So that's the only manipulation there with with that audio track was that is that I boosted the level so you could really hear what she said. And, you know, kudos to I mean, other than him saying that it's a religious war that we're fighting just because we are in war or at a, in, in in conflict with a religious group doesn't make it a religious war for me i don't know maybe it's just my logic i would say that a religious war is between two religious factions not one secular faction that is fighting a religious faction am i wrong to assume that does that make sense what i'm saying
2: um yeah okay yep sure does (laughs) that all checks
1: out so anyway anyway glad i like when everything checks out um Good for good for Lindsey Graham one. I mean not not so good that he has a dumbass opinion about something, but good good that he that he corrected her without missing a beat either. He didn't have to like take a take a take a stop and think about it. He just no ma'am, he's not a traitor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he just
1: doesn't he's not doing a good job. With
2: that southern charm. <laughs> um I like Lindsey Graham. I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. Yeah. I don't know why. He just seems like a really likable person to me despite some of his views.
1: Well, he's a one-trick pony. He's a defense hawk hawk hawk, defense defense defense, war war war. That's just that's all he's got.
2: Yeah, and I know that we haven't talked about him very much. It's because he isn't even making the junior debates now. Yeah,
1: he's just <laughs> off the radar altogether.
2: Yeah, so sorry, Lindsey Graham.
1: <laughs> this might be his last appearance. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I wonder when other individuals will start dropping out of the race, like George Pataki and and people like that. That's that's long overdue. That have been at the bottom for quite some time.
1: Right. All right, well, listen, this has been a heavy, heavy episode, and we want to leave you with some good news that has been predicated on a previous terrible story.
2: So... Juvenile court judge Scott Johansson on Tuesday ordered that a child be removed from a home because the parents were uh, lesbians.
1: Have you said that this is in Utah as well?
2: It was in Utah. Yeah. A same sex couple in Utah. They were caring for a one year old girl for three months as foster parents and they want to adopt her. And she was ordered to be moved to, quote, a more traditional home.
1: Right, because he is a conservative Mormon who happens to be a judge.
2: Right, now this was obviously just, I mean, shattering to the parents who love this baby, want to care for this baby.
1: Have the means to do so.
2: Right, um, and this judge's decision obviously follows the recent church decision to exclude same-sex couples' children from right. baptism and participating in... Um, Church membership yeah. activities. Well,
1: so what he is doing, I mean, I'm I'm just speculating here, postulating on what, what's going on inside of his stupid head. But it's kind of like, well, in order for this, I want to save this child for the church. So what better way to do that than to make sure it doesn't grow up? I don't know if it was a girl or a boy.
2: I think the it's a girl.
1: Okay, so to make sure she doesn't grow up with same-sex parents, which would preclude her from membership In the one true church, like Mormons like to say. I don't know. But anyway, the good news is...
2: That he has reversed his order. Yeah. So because of all the backlash...
1: And there was. It was a fierce, fierce reaction.
2: Right. I mean, this was being reported everywhere. He has reversed his ruling to take the child away from the couple.
1: So they get to keep her. Right. Awesome.
2: So they have given a statement and they say, we're just happy we don't have to say goodbye to her on Tuesday. That's a big relief because he had ordered her to be out of the house like within a week or something oh, damn. and be moved to a more traditional household.
1: How is, that, how is that having the best interest of the child in mind?
2: Right. Well, I know that I don't have to say this, but the American Psychological Association has said there's no scientific basis that gay couples are unfit parents. That's just...
1: Science, you know, the consensus. Right.
2: Research has shown that. And the judge tried to say in his original ruling that he has read research that, you know, to the contrary and that his his decision was based on research. Well,
1: isn't isn't the research actually the other way that I have read? Maybe this is incorrect, but even I've read that children who are raised in same sex homes are actually happier and more well-adjusted.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Okay. I think it's just there's no difference. But, yeah. you know, maybe there is some. No, I don't know. I don't, know. I,
1: I don't have the numbers. So it, maybe it's just something that I'm making up to to cover my, my opinion.
2: Right. But so <laughs> he,
1: I'm not above that.
2: Yeah. Here's the um, good news that we want to leave you with is that this is really a positive thing about kind of the social media backlash that can happen, which is this judge did something very unethical. Right. And people spoke out against the injustice and they made their voice heard and it had a result. It had a positive result. And it wasn't just about shaming this judge and saying, you know, you're a terrible person or whatever. It was, you know, this is bad. You made a bad decision and we're all going to speak out against how this is unethical. And bam. Oh, okay, I'll change my decision.
1: I'm surprised that he changed his decision because it really it. It kind of points to the fact that he makes flippant, terrible decisions probably a lot. Mm -hmm. Because if if he really believed in his heart that that was the right thing to do, he would stick to it, wouldn't he? You'd think. I, I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway, all is well for now in the case. And that is good to hear. With that good news, we will leave you. We appreciate you. If you're a patron, go check out the debate episode. It is posted And it is a good one. Don't forget your Thanksgiving submissions. We really, really do. Please, we want to hear from you. 657-464-7609 or voicemail, voice memo, email. idoubtit at dollamore.com. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been I Doubt It.
4: Child molester.